Welcome to Yoga Wisdom. Questions about how to live your yoga in daily life answered by Integral Yoga founder Sri Swami Sachidananda. We hear so much these days about creative visualization and manifesting with the mind. Isn't this the opposite of being present and in the moment? Could you please talk about this? I don't think they oppose each other. You can be in the present and in the moment without creating any thoughts in the mind or any visions in the mind. You can be that way also. But if you want, you can have visualization. It depends upon what you want to do what you want to achieve, that visualization is mainly given to bring an image into the mind, mostly in a sort of curative way. We recommend that to the patients. For example, a heart patient can imagine that his heart is getting better. That we sometimes even take a, a picture of the heart, his own heart, with all the blockage, everything, and put it yeah, in front of him. And that becomes his object of meditation. And he imagines that the blockages are slowly getting cleared. And they use their own uh, improvised ways. It need not be the same again with everybody. For example, one of the patients was a plumber. And when he was given that picture of the heart, he brought in an imaginary rotor rotor. <laughs> it's going to clear the pump, clear the pipe. Yes, it's not a joke, it's true. In San Francisco, we have those programs going on. Dr. Dean Arnish is the head of it. And one of the patients created his own imagination. So, because uh, that way you are creating a picture, an image what you want to have. You want it, you got it. Mind has that capacity. So visualization has its own purpose. If you don't need that, you can just be leaving the mind 
in a sort of void state, but even that, there is a little difficulty in that. You can never make a mind completely void. Still the thought will be there, I am making my mind void. I am not going to think of anything. Yes. What are you thinking? Of not thinking of anything. Unfortunately, that is the way the mind functions. The mind cannot survive without a thought. A thoughtless mind has no mind at all. Mind means bundle of thoughts. Even a single thought gives room for the mind. A complete thoughtless mind is just no mind at all. So it's very difficult to create that void. So you have to bring, start with something, some image, some thought. The idea behind is, when you start with a single thought, you are slowly freeing the mind from all other thoughts. One thought becomes more important for you. I would like to say that that one thought could be something like a catalytic agent. It has a purpose. Once this one thought helps you to free yourself from all other thoughts, then you are staying with one single thought. And then it won't stay long. Slowly, even the single thought will disappear. Then you go into a state called Nirvikalpa Samadhi. That means thoughtless, seedless, nirbija samadhi. Literally it means seedless equanimity. There's no seed for the mind to grow up again. So both are equally good. You can use any one method according to your need, according to your capacity. Even many people who say that, oh, I, I don't believe in farms. I worship farmless. It's impossible for you to worship farmless. The mind cannot conceive anything without a farm. It has no capacity. Forget about God, even ordinary simple thing in life. If I say, oh, a delicious something, sweet something, or just sweet, the moment you hear the word sweet, immediately you are even understanding the sweetness with the help of some substance. Oh, as sweet as honey as sweet as chocolate. Beauty. How can you conceive 
the beauty in the mind. And how can you communicate that with others? You have to bring in a form as beautiful as a rose. I was not talking about rose, I was just talking about beauty. Why are you bringing a rose? That's the only way. That's why even the Upanishads, when they talk about the higher consciousness or the cosmic consciousness which you call God, they say God is formless, nameless. As such, it is agrahyam, alachanam, achintyam, avyavadesyam. It means you cannot think of it, you cannot grasp it, you cannot communicate. Because it has no form, no name. So the mind finds it difficult. So, for the sake of the mind, it has to conceive the idea with the help of a form. In fact, this is the meaning behind that biblical saying that you cannot reach the Father unless you go through the Son. What does it mean? Father is absolute, nameless, formless. Nobody knows who the... We call that supreme essence as Father because Again, even father means immediately there is a human figure comes in there. Otherwise, you cannot even name it. As such, that nameless, formless one has to come in the in a form with a name. You call it Jesus then. And say, only through Jesus you can reach the father. So, the purpose behind that is the truth. That is the esoteric meaning behind it. You have to pick a form and go through the form to the formless. It is difficult for me to let go of past loves with whom I remain very good friends. However, I am not 100% there for my present one. I need help in letting go of these precious people. Please suggest how I can let go. Mm. If you want yourself to be in one place, hundred percent, you cannot do that unless you let go the other one percent or ten percent or five percent. Unfortunately, you have only one hundred percent. If you have hundred and ten percent, you can have hundred percent here, ten percent there. <laughs> huh? When you, when you want the whole to be here, you have to leave the other one. Even the mind. The mind cannot think two things at the same time. Sometimes it looks like it thinks several things at the same time. It's not so. 
it is in quick succession all like a cinematographic picture they are all single pictures that's what you see because they are so fast moving one to another you see the movement there mind is like that mind can think only one thought at a time likewise you can be only in one place at a time if you are there you are not here if you are here you are not there so if you are interested in putting yourself 100% with one relationship one commitment then you have to let go the other otherwise you are neither here nor there you are torn life is like that always a young girl who is born in a family when she gets matured when she gets married she leaves the whole family and goes to in-laws house even the so called beloved loving father has to say i have given away my daughter you have to give away you learn this trick from a little insect called leech you know how the leech moves around it just sticks in one place it looks for like this and then when it catches another one it leaves this and then moves here so we are like that our mind is like that it's better to commit ourselves to one thing that way you train the mind if you allow the mind to run from one to another one to another it weakens the mind and it the mind gets a habit into a habit that it runs around here and there achieves nothing a rolling stone gathers no mass purpose of yoga is that to fix the mind in one thing relationship also is like that but that doesn't mean when you let go the others you have to deny them or dislike them or hate them no you love them all equally still you are committed to one thing even in the name of ecumenical approach they will probably be having a ecumenical service when will that be tonight tonight see yeah so we have all the religious clergy people will come but you cannot follow all the paths even though paths are many and truth is one you cannot follow all the paths you stick to your path 
and you allow others to follow their path. That is the idea behind saying truth is one, paths are many. To come to Santa Barbara, there may be many roads. But you are not going to drive in all the roads at the same time. You cannot sail even in two boats at the same time. You have to be either this in this boat or that boat. So you stick to your path and know that the other person would like to stick to his path. You don't discourage the other person. As you love your path, he would love his path. Whenever you take a Hatha class or have been around you or some of your children, quote-unquote, I am touched again at how gentle and loving yet effective yoga is. Oh, so glad to hear that. I tend to be so hard on myself and I don't even notice how cruel and hateful I become to me. How can I remember to be as loving and gentle as you are? If you cannot do it by yourself, stay around the people where you would have that relaxed state of mind. And again, you don't have to depend on them constantly. Stay among the other members. At the same time, know why you want to stay around. The purpose being, you want to cultivate that quality in you. So with that idea, if you stay around, soon you will cultivate that and then doesn't matter where you go, you will carry that with you. Even living in an ashram, it's not a, a running away place. You don't have to go and hide there always. It's not a good, healthy way. That's only a training place. You prepare yourself there so that one day you can be the same person wherever you are. If I could put it the other way, train yourself in the heaven, then go to hell and make it heaven. Don't say, oh, I have to be always in the heaven. I can't go, there is a hell. Then you are not yet ready for that. You have not grown up. To give an analogy, a tender plant needs a fence around because it's very tender. Any small animal, cattle can come and damage it, trample on it. But for how long you need the fence? 
until it grows into a nice tree. Once it grows into a nice big tree, it's even in a fence to put a fence around. You take it out. But the situation changes completely. It allowed itself to be within a fence to protect itself from the cattle. But when it got matured, it invites the cattle, come on, stay under me, enjoy my shed. If you like, even pluck some leaves and eat. See, one time it was afraid of the cattle, now it is serving the same cattle. A seeker should be like that. You prepare yourself in a protective environment. And depends upon how sincere you are, how earnest you are in preparing yourself. Once you prepare yourself fully, then you don't have to be hiding behind there. Come out. Face the world. So, and in that process, sometimes you might get shaky again if you are not fully strong. At least you know that you are not yet strong. Then you come back, spend a little more time. That reminds me of my very good friend and brother, brother David, who is going to come to this place very soon. On the 9th or 10th, he is going to come here to give a talk. He is mainly coming here to be with me for a day at least. Once, I don't know how many years before, maybe about 15 years back, we were together on a platform and I gave an example of a razor, a shaving razor. And he started quoting that wherever he went and he asked everybody to ask me that whenever they they meet me. So wherever I went, they would say, Brother David told us something about your analogy of razor. Could you tell us that? (laughs) He is a very dear friend. When he likes something, he wants to share with everybody. He had another trick. Those days I used to uh, meet many uh, Catholic sisters who organized small house of prayers. Everywhere I went, they'll certainly give me a nice room to stay. And in the room, there'll be always one or two bottles of nuts, tins of peanuts and cashew nuts. I became a little curious. I said, this is the first time I'm coming here. How do you know that I like nuts? (laughs) Oh, Brother David told us. (laughs) (laughs) 
நீ வேறிய விழி வென் ஐ மூவ் அவுட் ஹீ வில் கம் அண்ட் ஆக்குபை த சேம் ரூம் த நட்ஸ் வில் பி ஸ்டில் தேர் So, do you want to know the story of the razor? <laughs> A nice shaving razor. It should be sharp, is it not? When you go to the barber saloon, before he gives you a nice clean shave, he'll take a little time to sharpen. And imagine, suppose he keeps on doing it for half an hour. And he says, hey, what are you doing? I'm sharpening the knife. You wait for another few minutes, still he was doing it. You won't be sitting there for long then. Huh? So what should he do? Sharpen it, give a shave. While in the process of shaving, if it gets blunt, sharpen again. See? And then again give the shave. Sometimes our mind is like that. You should take time to sharpen it. That's what you contemplate you practice. And then you cannot be hiding behind the walls calling yourself contemplative. You have to come and give a shave. <laughs> Come out. Put yourself in the field. While giving the shave, if you get blind, blunt, go back again, sharpen it. Until you learn to sharpen it while giving shave. There are certain blades. The very shaving process itself sharpens the blade. Then you don't have to have a separate contemplative time. In the process itself, the the during the activity in the midst of your service to the humanity you can still keep yourself sharp it is that stage when you experience that your work is nothing but a worship until that time your work is different worship is different oh i have to go and worship i have to go and meditate then you meditate there you come and medicate here see meditation medication <laughs> then when you get blunt go back to meditate but you cannot be doing that always you should make every act a meditation whatever you do no matter everything you are walking talking sleeping eating everything should be a meditation then you don't need a separate practice as meditation applying total mind on what you are doing 100% with one lover so everything is your love service is your love not only a person you begin to love everything that you do everything that you see 
one has to prepare the mind like that. Thanks for listening to this Integral Yoga Multimedia Podcast. We hope you'll subscribe. For more information on Sri Swami Satchidananda and Integral Yoga, please visit us online at integralyoga.org.